Hey, I'm Ty Snaith, and this is A World of One's Own, a series of conversations with women and non-binary artists I respect and admire. The episode you're about to listen to is from Season 1, which was originally called A World of Her Own. It was part of the exhibition Unfinished Business, Perspectives on Art and Feminism at ACCA. For more information about the podcast and the artists I'm speaking to in Season 2, head to tysnaith.com. And now, here's the episode. I never really know how I fit in, you know, in terms of where do I fit in an art world, actually. I never actually known. Yeah, I always feel like I am not a mainstream artist, artist, but I'm sort of doing something around. And yeah, sometimes I just cross that field, but sometimes I'm totally out. And yeah, but somehow... That's okay, you know. Hi, I'm Ty Snaith, and this is A World of Her Own, a series of conversations with Australian women artists I respect and admire. Today, I'm getting all tied up in ideas of collaboration and community, how and where we fit in. My charming guest is Japan-born visual artist Chako Kato, who is a founding member of the Slow Art Collective. Chako is known for her huge rope-based installations and generous spirit of sharing. I've always loved the way that Chako literally weaves herself into communities and lures audiences into her work with her playful nature. Chako's artwork celebrates what she calls a radical freedom of form and improvisation. Today, we talk about how to take a traditionally domestic practice to a giant community scale. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking to visual artist Chaco Kato. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> do you call yourself a visual artist, Chaco? Um, yes, I think I, I do. Yeah, if there's another name, yes, I do. Um, I just probably call myself an artist. artist. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. your work spans so many different uh, forms and mm. contexts, doesn't it? Um, yes. Um, nowadays, I think it's more um, focusing on more like inter interactive installation type of stuff. But yes, I do make um, like drawings and um, small works as well. And also I do make a children's book too. So because I've always sort of seen you in different guises and thought that that was a really inspiring um, aspect of what you do. Mm. And you also work with different communities sometimes as well and they yeah. become the work. And yeah. That's not something that everyone does in, the, in their practice. So mm. that sort of idea of working in different worlds yeah. is something obviously you know if you think about the the title I'm interested in in that idea of how you see yourself fitting into a world like which world do you feel comfortable in mm. yeah that's an interesting question isn't it because I can see myself um, in a very different type of art world you know like community artist or contemporary artist, installation artist or children's book illustrator, whatever. Yeah, big questions, but I think I'm hoping um, I'm an artist and, and I do have, you know, different 
profiles or different type of body parts I can use of, you know what it means? But it's um, fundamentally that's me. I guess that's similar things for you as well. Yeah, yeah, and that's so it's really about how you're perceived is the difference. It's not actually for you, it's just you. Mm. It's just what you do. That's right, yeah. And sometimes um, the difficulty for me and, and other artists I speak to is that how you talk about that is tricky. Very know? much, yeah. <laughs> and learning the language around that. Mm. And, you know, do you, have you had people help you make those words? around mm, your practice um not really um but what do you mean that you know to put to put perspective on what you are in the world oh. like how to understand i've sort of been trying to do that myself because mm. you see yourself quite differently to how you know maybe you are in, yeah in the art landscape i uh, yeah i never really know how i fit in you know in terms of where do i fit in an art world actually i never actually no, yeah, I always feel like I am not a mainstream artist, artist, but I'm sort of doing something around. And mm. yeah, sometimes I just cross that field, but sometimes I'm totally out. And yeah, but somehow that's okay, you know. Do you feel like some, I mean, you're obviously Japanese. Yeah. And so you've been in Australia for... 20 something, yeah, some years, yeah. A long time. Quite a long time. But does it always feel like, uh, you know, is Australia hard to crack like that? Is it hard to feel like you're part of something if you've come into it from another place? Mm. I did a little bit, but I've never really been an artist, artist in Japan. I studied in America and I went back to Japan for just a couple of years and then I just came here. So I can't really compare, you know, what, which is easier for me. And then, you know, yes, Australia is difficult in many ways because the language things, I suppose, mm. and then cultural things. And I don't have background as everybody has. You know, you probably have your family, friends growing up together around here. So you sort of know how to go around. Yeah. But because I don't really have that sort of things, I have to put myself outside and to observe what should I do and then how to get into that place and stuff mm. like that, I think. Yeah. yeah. And, and those support networks, mm. I mean, we take them for granted. Mm. It's a certain type of privilege that you get if you've grown up here and mm. have generations in a place. But for me, looking at your work as mm. well, often that's at the crux of what the work is about. Is that sort of, I mean, literally as a support, the woven works particularly, the mm. network of strings mm. tied together, mm. literally, mm. but then also the way that you work as an artist with other other artists yeah. and other people in yeah. the community, audience mm. members, mm. you really do actively reach out to create a net a network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I didn't really plan it that way. However, it's just becoming more obvious. And then as you said, it's, I'm very happy about that result, you know. Literally what I'm doing is creating the network for myself and then for the art world as well. That's the reason why I really wanted to create collective rather than just practice myself. I didn't really know by then when I actually started the Slow Art Collective. I just wanted to 
do something with other people. Mm. Around that time, maybe that was about like seven or eight years ago, I've been doing um, object-based um, practice. But at the same time, I was really interested in like more like a process-based, time-based practice. Mm. You know, I was in a commercial gallery, but the expectation is quite different. So I just felt it's not really meeting that what I really wanted to do. Your need yeah, my to need. make work. Exactly. And that's and that's something that not everyone has the courage to, I guess, mm. acknowledge in their work. But for me that's what makes your work very contemporary is mm. it visits you know, the way that you work seems to be from making, mm. from a place of almost unconscious craft, often traditional craft base. Yeah. But then that framework of you know actually building the context yeah, yeah, is what yeah. makes it really contemporary that's right yeah it's a hard thing to have enough perspective to sort of do that second part mm, mm, I think so too I, but I was so desperate you know I really I was very happy about what I was making but you know as you said mm. the context wasn't really right to me and then I knew I need to find something completely change or find a new paradigm for that new frameworks for my artwork Mm. as a practice more than just an outcome if you know what I mean. yeah I definitely know what you mean did that happen though I'm sort of interested because I feel like a lot of women particularly when you're in the process of having children or you know maybe 10 years ago for Mm. you Mm. um, I'm just starting to work out how Mm. they fit in a in a broader context did that happen for you at a particular time that you can remember yes it's been for a while and then I was just wondering wondering about that for quite a while Mm. and then there's some pivotal you know event happened like a two three four at the same time Mm. one was art competitions like recycle art competitions in incinerate art complex Mm. um and then I won installation award or something Mm which didn't give me any money, but they just gave me the opportunity to have a solo show mm-hmm. in a big space. I don't know if you know the space. Yeah, the space. Yeah. But I was so didn't want to, to do my solo show there. Mm. I just didn't have any urge to do it. Mm. But I, I really wanted to do something with people, other people. And then I knew there was a recycle centre, um, like a, it's called Transfer Station, just right next to the gallery. And then I thought maybe I can just have a partnership with them and then, you know, mm. do something with all the recycled stuff. Yeah, so that was the things I really started to think about it. Maybe that was the first. And then I was invited for the group show it's called embodies energy that mm. was in kunahan gallery mm-hmm. and i was just doing a time-based um, process-based art project which was um i use all the like a weed and grass around the regions and then i just make a drawings big mural drawings just to tap in the pins and then you know make a line drawings mm. And I really enjoyed it, so I really wanted to keep doing something like that. And someone just suggested to me, you should go to the Craft Victoria because Dylan is doing something quite interesting. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I just went there and then I just really loved his work and I talked with him and he was really interested in that as well. And at the same time, um, 
Ash Keating was doing some project. It's called Two Twenty Twenty Question Mark. So yeah, that was I a kind of that project. Did you? Yeah, here yeah. we go. Yeah. yeah, I think I've got the huge inspiration. You it was know. a good project. Yeah, and then I, he asked me to do a little little things over that's there right. as well. So that's how I got the idea that maybe I can do something. You know, not similar but smaller scale, but similar. Yeah. You know, sharing the. Um, spirits of that and I talked with Ash as well it's really fascinating because it's Mm. difficult to be an opportunist like I think you're an opportunist you know Mm. in the same way sometimes I've heard you talk or write about your work like it's a like a rhizome that grows into the cracks Mm. or the spots or the opportunities that's right yeah and that's such a beautiful way of working how do you deal with when you have a, a stop you know, when someone says no, mm. or when there's no opportunity, or when you're feeling down on yourself, or you've mm. run out of money, or mm. what are the things that get you through that? Because that, that way of working is good when it's going mm. and it's flowing. Mm. But mm. what happens when it stops for you? Yeah, good question. <laughs> it always, yeah. Working with collective, it's a great way. But at the same time, sometimes it's very difficult. You know, some people didn't get along with the other ones. Yeah. And, you know, everyone has a different opinion, different expectations and stuff. It has been a little bit like that as well. But how do you, what's your mantra or your thing that gets you through? <laughs> like, what do you think to yourself? Why do you keep going? Why do you keep yeah, making? I'm just hoping everything is will go okay. <laughs> you know, everything is will go okay at the end. You know, I just have to put myself um, 100% or 200% for this and see how it goes yeah I think that's all all I could do actually have you had times where you've thought I I don't need to be an artist I'm stopping now have you ever had that um not really because I think I don't know anything else I can do actually (laughs) I've been thinking about you know what else I can do if I stop this you know yeah so it's sort of necessary that I have to keep going it's your life. Yeah. It's your living. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. And you're making, do you notice that when you're not making, do you feel not yourself? Do you feel sad? Do you feel... Mm. It's good to have a break because it can get really, really intense and then I just ended up not sleeping enough or something like mm. that, you know. Um, so I just need a little bit of the time just not doing some, anything, which is good. If I don't have anything next month or next few months, maybe I'll get quite nervous maybe yeah which I it hasn't happened yet so luckily you'll (laughs) see yeah so one thing I've been asking everyone that Mm. I speak to is um what part of yourself do you find most confronting or what you know what aspect of yourself or your or or your practice but Mm. I've been saying yourself do you find most confronting yeah it's it's always confronting you know doing something too public isn't it Mm -hmm. because you're really exposing yourself even you know something like this as well (laughs) yeah talking is really the most confronting thing to me actually so I'm putting you in a world of pain (laughs) sorry no no that's okay yeah (laughs) because I don't really know what to say sometimes I guess the fear and your fear maybe what if I can't really deliver the things Mm -hmm. as I should do or you know what if I come you know my work is not meeting to people's expectation or if that disappoints people or something have you ever had that happen (laughs) (laughs) not really dramatically I suppose yeah yeah 
I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen a situation where someone comes through an exhibition and says, mm. oh, I'm so disappointed in this. <laughs> I, know. I, know. I want my, my free entry back, you know? But everyone seems to have this yeah. fear yeah. that they won't be adequate enough, like or a self-doubt. Yeah. In reality, yeah. it seems that no one really it's cares. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who cares? It's just only me or you, you know, about your work because you don't care if, you know, if someone did not quite right or you don't, don't think. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it, but everyone it's still seems to have judgment, you know? Yeah. yeah. You don't want to be judged. Yeah. And yet we still put ourselves in a position That's right. to be judged. Yeah. We're crazy in a way. <laughs> But you kind of need to. So, uh, mm. you know, like you have a very generous personality, mm. but that comes through in your work because you mm. need to share that stuff. You've got enough to share, so you, mm. Mm. So you mm. do. But then the fear of someone coming around and they'd have to be a pretty mean person to say, you share <laughs> too much. <laughs> but, you know, you're confronted yeah. by just putting yourself... Mm. I think that's the... Yeah, or what if I run out of you know, ideas or, you know, if I'm not progressing enough or, you know what I mean? Like, do you think, do you feel like in the future you'll always have to put your work, you know, to make it public or can you imagine getting to a place where you can just make work for yourself or your family? Can Does it have to be bigger, bigger than you? Do you have to have a community around it? Um, yes and no. I think it's a balance. I think I'd be very, very happy to make something for myself or for my friends or family or, you know, school or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'm the type of person that won't probably do as much as I do if there's no deadline. <laughs> you know what I yep. mean? Yeah. You know what you mean? That's yeah. So that system that we hate yeah. creates a reason right. to make. Yeah. It's, it's like really a... interesting. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The other thing I was I've been asking people that I'm fascinated in is, well, first of all, do you think of yourself as a feminist? I think so. Yeah. I think I never be actively being an activist, but I do really support the feminism movement and the ideas. Mm. Human rights, including, yeah. 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 And so do you think that carries in your work in any way? Did those ideas of particularly around making and Mm. craft? Mm. I think so. It's a macrame, weaving. That's a woman's practice, you know, in traditionally. Not necessarily, but I think that is really liberating for women in a way to make it into that scale I can incorporate their little practice into, you know, collective big artwork in mm. a way. Mm. Yeah. So it's a way of working on a domestic scale or yeah. that we all yeah. have in the home or whatever. That's right. And yeah. then pushing out of that that's into right. the gallery and then maybe into the public space. Like that's you right. Have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So expanding your world. I mean, that's where the mm. original idea came from was a essay written by Virginia Woolf called mm. a, a Room of One's Own. Okay. Back then in 1920s, mm. people were, you know, like a woman needs her own room to sit and Right, you yeah, know, right. but now, like yeah. for example, with you, you, mm, mm. you sometimes need a whole mm. botanical gardens or something. <laughs> School, that's right, that's right, yeah. Different, different yeah. scale of mm. of that practice. Yeah, it was quite interesting. Um, I've done a residency in a place called Buraman, mm. um, and I did a workshop um, with 
local women's group and they brought all their own practice like a little you know mm. dyeing and weavings and crochets and stuff and we show each other and just sharing the knowledge and how、oh. to do it and stuff and then we did weaving together and they were just saying it's so wonderful to be able to you know bring my little practice into this place and then share it together and now we are the part of the big You know,、um, creations. So that's created some kind of meaning for their、Absolutely. little practice in、yeah. the same way that you've created meaning、mm. for your. Myself, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. And it's that I love that idea of learning, you know, that women teach, well, in the past have taught、mm. each other how to weave, and then、mm. that's a, a type of knowledge that's passed on.、Mm. But now it's almost like it's not necessarily just the craft that's passed on, it's the. Purpose or meaning of being in a group、mm. that is talked about, and that's something that often contemporary women lose. But what do you mean? What, in what sense do you think? Like a power <clears throat> of being in a group of women talking is,、mm. is quite a powerful thing once you're、that's、in、right. one、yeah. or two. Or I, I thought the other day,、oh, I'm in a few now because <laughs> I love it.、Mm. And I think it's something that's ages old. But、mm. there's a lot of women now that don't seem to do that. Do you think? Yeah, I think that、oh. unless you have a practice, an、mm. art practice, or maybe you might be in a book club or something. But lots of people, maybe social media is taking place for that. But sharing a physical craft whilst、ah. is it's quite a powerful、right. connection or something. Sure, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think sharing a time and then, you know,、mm. together is. Very, very powerful, actually. Yeah.、Mm. Yeah. So, that object base or outcome base that you used to have or、mm. need to create an outcome, do you think that's gradually just disappearing altogether? I still love doing that. You know, there's nothing wrong with it, actually.、Mm. I do really like making things and drawing,、mm. you know, paintings and stuff like that. But it's just about the context, you know. I really believe. I just have to prioritize probably. I、mm. want to do everything actually, but I, because you know, there's no time. I'm just prioritizing my、uh, practice more like a、um, creating installation, like interactive, you know, participatory type of stuff. But still, I can put myself、um, within that creating the、um, installation. I can. Do a little bit of you know,、huh. um, craft work myself,、yeah. which、so、is that, lovely. So, that joy, do you, have, <clears throat> you obviously find joy in,、mm. that, in that craft work? Obviously, I can see, I've seen、yeah. it working. And, but you, you also seem to find joy in the coming together of people.、Mm. But that for you is, that, is joy an important aspect? Yeah, definitely. I think so too. Yeah. yeah. I just believe in art shouldn't be owned by the artist. Everybody basically has to be a part of the art maker, you know, creations, you know, I. Yeah, so、uh, probably my job is I kind of facilitate or, you know, half create some, you know, environment for people, to, people just coming in and just participate and then do some, be a part of it, actually.、Mm. Yeah. And so that, that workshop becomes the art, that,、mm. that exchange and participation becomes the really、mm. the. The materials of that actual yeah. concept. Yeah. But in the past, or even still now, there seems to be this within the art 
you know, language or whatever. Mm. This is like community art is this mm. kind of mm. almost like a dirty word. Yeah. When really it creates so much meaning and it's mm. important. So how do you how do you go about framing your work mm. conceptually, which you do really mm. well, and coming up against that criticism or mm. snobbery? I just don't care about it. Don't engage. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I guess, you know, basically we get some offer and then we just respond to that and then do our best and we always think our work is always evolving based on the last practice we did so that's really satisfies me enough you know keep going mm. I think and, and then people will get it eventually just by you know seeing what we you know slow collective is doing actually mm. they can't really frame our work just mere community art or you know whatever Mm. no it's bigger than that Mm. but it still stops a lot of people from entering into that's right that other world Mm, that's right yeah and the the final thing just before we wrap up is one one thing i'm interested in what keeps everyone awake at night what keeps you awake Mm. at night what wakes you up and what do you worry about well luckily i don't woke up in the middle of the night because I've just been so tired <laughs> when I go to sleep. That's a good answer. Nothing. Nothing keeps you awake at night because you work so hard. That you... Yeah, I just go to bed like one o'clock in the morning and then I have to get up like six. So I just don't have enough time to get worried about it. But it's really interesting because when my son was born, like he was about one year old, I was really, really in the position, sort of being edged because he was so young and my husband was doing PhD and I had like a three new, really heavy, big project. Mm. So whenever I'm doing a breastfeed, I, I feel like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do next? You know, because the, the deadline was almost the same time. But one day I just decided, okay, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to get up and then do mm. things. Because I was doing sewing drawings at the time. So I'm just going to go to the sewing machine and then do sewing for like 10 minutes. And then when he woke up, I just go back. So, um, and I just decided, you know, instead of just worrying about mm-hmm. I'm not going to waste my just time. I'm just going to do it, you know. It's a similar thing. I totally identify with that. Mm. And I think for me, having children helped me with mm. that. I used to procrastinate maybe a little bit. Mm. I used to spend a lot of time worrying or, yeah. you know, just really indulged in that. Mm. But mm. then when I had my first baby, same yeah. thing. Yeah. I just thought, no, no, I don't even have time for this. <laughs> no. I just have to work. Yeah. 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 And there's a type of freedom in that. Yeah. I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Mm. Yeah. You don't, you can't get indulged, you know, <laughs> just by worrying it. it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just 10 minutes, another drawings and then, you know, you just do something else. So, mm. yeah. And then if I just kept talking to myself if I can get over this I can do anything yeah (laughs) and you did and you can do anything I think so Um, yeah I really look forward to seeing the future of what you know where you go next bigger seems to be getting bigger greater oh I don't know about that maybe I'm going to then um smaller but oh smaller oh smaller yeah that'd be nice too yeah but I I think we've we've run out of time now but I just wanted to say thank you very much for thank you spending your time today with me thank you so much Ty that was a great opportunity for me thank you Ah, Chaco. I love that idea that she talks about of just doing, not overthinking or worrying, just busying yourself with the task of making something or drawing something and going from there. 
I also loved how she got through those early stages of motherhood by telling herself, if I can get over this, I can do anything. So true. This conversation was recorded for the series A World of Her Own as part of the exhibition Unfinished Business, Perspectives on Art and Feminism at the Australian Centre for Contemporary Art. It was recorded by me, Ty Snaith. I'm an artist for those of you who don't know my work. If you enjoyed exploring Charco's world with me today, you might like to delve into some other worlds by downloading more episodes directly from the ACCA website. Visit www.acca.melbourne where you will find the World of Her Own link under Programs or from SoundCloud if you visit soundcloud.com forward slash ACCA underscore Melbourne. I would like to give a big thanks to Beck Fari for audio post-production and Melbourne musician Fia, spelt P-H-I-A, for letting us use this track, End of the Day, from her album The Ocean of Everything. I really kind for bringing out the things that other people could not see. Thanks for listening to this episode from Season 1. The podcast now lives at tysnaith.com, so head over there for more information about the show and the artists I'm speaking to in Season 2. And thanks again to Acker for all their support with Season 1.